Good morning. It is Friday, April 22nd. A very happy Earth Day to you, Kelly Collis. Thank you very much. Right back at you, Tommy. Also want to give you a heads up. I have been recording all of our phone conversations we've had over the years, but I will also not release them when it's good for national security. I will do so when I sell a book. <laughs> Don't need to get political, Tommy. Come on. I'm not. I'm just being strategic. <laughs> Broadcasting around the Beltway and beyond, it's Tommy and Kelly made in D.C. on the Real Fun D.C. channel and on demand anytime, anywhere you get your podcasts. Just saying. Was that a test to see if I was keeping up with the news cycle? What? Yeah, I just love veiled references. I'm not giving up my goodies on you until I get a book deal, damn it. Until I hear from Simon. <laughs> you know the guy who wrote that book used to be my intern? <laughs> Seriously? True story. Jonathan Martin. No yes. crap. Really? Yes. Now, uh, he worked in politics briefly yeah. and then, you know, he went on to have like a stellar journalism career. But yes. Totally. Holy <laughs> he crap. He was my intern at one point. Yes. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. huh. And he's openly admitted it. I mean, not to like the public, but like when I've seen him out, <laughs> I'm like, remember. <laughs> he's openly admitted it like you were dating. <laughs> yes, I admit I was at one point an intern. <laughs> Wow, look at that. I think yeah. it's tremendous reporting. I'm just curious as to why it waited for the book to come out. That's all I'm asking. Really? You don't understand publicity 101? No, no, I understand it, but I feel like that would have been a little fun thing to know around like February. <laughs> just, just to, <laughs> of just last year. All. Yes. Yeah. Or when it was made available. Anywho, <laughs> talk about the great eight, but not Ovi this time. Another great eight with the caps. Um, what do you mean? The eighth consecutive year they're going to the playoffs. Oh, I was thinking Ovechkin in his ninth consecutive season of getting um, 50, or nine times he's gotten 50 or more goals. Holy cow. I didn't even see that coming yeah. up. I was just trying to make that eighth was, play in my head. This is why I'll yeah, let you that, have the Capitals information. Kelly, go ahead. Yes, yes, yes. So, the, yes, of course, the Caps are going to the playoffs. It's, it's incredible. They're going once again. The town is going to be rocking the red. Hashtag all caps. Uh, but, yeah, the other night, Gretz, uh, Ovechkin tied Gretzky and Bossy's record of getting 50 goals nine times during his career. And what's really amazing is that Presumably, he's going to play again next year. If he gets 50 goals, he would have beaten one of Gretzky's records. That's awesome. Um, not, the, not the one for total goals. Now, my husband does like to point out, he loves hockey, that the Gretzky, when he was a hockey player, I believe the season was a little bit shorter. So his success on the ice is even greater than, than uh, Ovechkin's. I'm not trying to start a fight in your family or anything, but <laughs> comparing like when Gretzky played... Is that kind of like in figure skating when like Todd Hamilton was like winning gold medals when it was basically like skate backwards and spin around and you won? <laughs> like, was the competition not as fierce as it was now or is it more fierce then? I'm just asking. I'm not speculating. I, I don't know enough about hockey. That would be a good cocktail conversation. Not for us. <laughs> okay, got it. I, I want to talk to your husband about the about the play of hockey, but I still maintain that before this is all said and done, Ovechkin is going to be the highest goal scorer of all time. And you and your husband and Craig Lachlan and Courtney Lachlan and everybody looked at me weird when I've been saying it for two years now. He's going to beat Gretzky's record. It's exciting to watch him. So anyways, more about the playoffs. We don't know who we're playing yet. We don't know the home or away. That's like the more important thing that's happening here in D.C. Um, 
most likely the Caps will um, be playing their first couple games away. And uh, that all starts the week of May 1st. It seems like they know that they're in earlier than usual or is this sort of like right on time no yeah this is sort of around the time okay. it just they just the clench you know this person won and then that yeah. person lost and that gave them the spot right on way to go caps yeah Woo! i know very exciting and of course the season winds down uh next week uh, the they have their home closer against the islanders kel were you at nats park for military appreciation night asking for no particular reason <laughs> I was not. You weren't? I got oh, to win- man, I thought you would have been there for that. I know. I know. I'm so bummed I missed it. I had a personal commitment, but I was. Um, I, I watched it live on Twitter. <laughs> I'll let you have the floor on this one. So basically, um, there was an Army Golden Knights parachute drop just to land in Nats Park, Military Appreciation Night. That's awesome. Apparently what had happened was no one told the Capitol Police Air Defense that that was happening, and then an aircraft came into airspace near the Capitol, and then people started jumping out of the airplane by the Capitol. And so, as you can imagine, Capitol Police was like, that's weird. Everybody out of the building um, is how I understand it. And now they're trying to figure out with the Army, with the FAA, with Nats Park, with Capitol Police, who didn't tell who what. Okay, a couple of things. The plane was circling the area for several minutes before they evacuated. Right. <laughs> I mean, second of all, I feel like there's just like, I don't know, Someone in air control could say something. The paratroopers, and just for people that don't know, the Nats Park is, what, six blocks from the Capitol? I mean, you could see in certain seats from Nats Park, you could see the Capitol. It's a straight shot. Yeah. Um, And when they were coming down, the the big paratroops did say, like, Army and American flags are hanging off of them. But, I mean, I guess you never know these days. I was going to say, yeah, if if you were not, <laughs> if you were being a, a bad trooper, paratrooper, I would have a, I would have a flag that didn't be like, I'm a bad guy. Wee! <laughs> <laughs> My parachute wouldn't say that. <laughs> Nefarious thing is coming your way. But so um, I think someone's definitely getting fired. And uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to Aww. figure out. There's going to, I think, also be finger pointing, right? Because there's like all this back and forth. And they were able to very quickly clear and say it's not a threat when they figured out what was actually going on. But um, like that's scary stuff for the for the Capitol staffers and then also like visitors and stuff. And then also the folks in Nats Park had no idea. And they were just like, hey, this is so cool. Like, look at the Golden Knights because seeing them in action is just awesome as well. Yeah. And I think that that's how I sort of witnessed it, because we um, we were just getting in the car to go to, to a bar to go watch the game and have mm-hmm. dinner. And um, I was watching. I was going onto my Twitter feed just to see of the Nats. I have a separate feed just for the Nats. So I'm seeing in the reporter, I'm like, oh, cool. It's military appreciation night. You know, my husband loves uh, aviation and all the things that come with it. Mm -hmm. He actually works with the FAA. Um, He was not part of this event, though. Um, And I was like, oh, they have the golden paratroops. And then we get in the car and we turned on our friends over at TOP. And that's when we like made all the connection. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, (laughs) this is not good. No, no. And now there's going to be, it's kind of like the phone tree from old school. Like someone should call somebody and someone didn't make the phone call on the phone tree. That's what happened. That's what happened. And it's surprising, right? Because I mean, the army, like this is what they do is like logistics and and follow protocol. So, you know, I'm not saying it's not them, but it would be just surprising. I, um, 
I, uh, I'm, I'm with Gary. Gary says we should blame Bryce Harper. <laughs> 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 Thanks for the comment, Gary. I appreciate it. Very funny. Very we, funny. Um, so one of our NBC news cameras is like on the like, position on the Capitol at all times. And the video that we have of like the troopers like on this, like yeah. it looks remarkably close to the side of the dome. So I can yeah. understand how <laughs> if you were in like the crow's nest at the Capitol being like, well, maybe that we should do something about that. Oh, thank goodness the sniper didn't take him out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So good. They're for, up there. Good for, you know, it all ending well. But I think there's going to be an after action report for sure that there will be some changes to the protocols. <laughs> yes, for sure. If I, if I had to if I had to guess. Uh, speaking of our NBC news cameras and uh, NBC4, we just wanted to uh, just spread some love and some tribute to our dear friend, Wendy Rieger, who since we've last recorded a show, passed away from a brain tumor, glioblastoma, which is a real son of a bitch of a brain tumor. And um, she had a very brief stay in hospice care and she passed away last weekend. The um, I can't imagine how you didn't see or hear anything about it. If you're anywhere within a hundred miles of the beltway, just the mm -hmm. love and the love and, and just tribute that's come out for her already has been absolutely incredible. And what's amazing too, is like everyone, or several people have stories about her. I mean, even if it was just, you know, I saw her and she was doing a, a live reporting on the street. And I, you know, in between her stories, I had a chance to talk to her briefly, like to like people that were very, very close with her and had worked with her for decades. And the stories are all consistent about yeah. the experience that they had with her. That's what's just truly amazing about this woman. Rieger was Rieger no matter where you got her. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Always and just we were so lucky to have her as a friend, but like we were certainly not in an exclusive club um calling her a friend and and a mentor because she just over the decades just took in so many people and shared so much of her life and her experiences. She really did. And she was our second guest on our reboot of our show. She actually signed Kelly's door mm -hmm. in the basement. Yeah, she did. Yes, she did. So we, we, we miss her so much, but it's been a lot of comfort just to hear the stories. It's like, we, I can't get enough of them. And there's actually, there's, there's like several hours of uh, conversation with her on our podcast feed. If you go back and search, um, Rieger gave good interview <laughs> as it were. And she always yeah. told incredible stories. And um, we have just a couple highlights I want to hit up for you. Uh, there's been a lot of talk of her husband, Dan Buckley, who is a former NBC four photographer too. He was this, one of the sports, um, videographers for a very long time. And they like had other marriages and then got reconnected and like were friends and then love bloomed and their love story was amazing. But she actually, I was going back to the tape. She actually told us first, um, that she was getting married. <laughs> we were talking to her about her, um, her brain tumor surgery and the clinical trial she was in in Duke where they like made a vaccine specific to her to try to fight this tumor. Like, it's just incredible. The just what she put herself through as well to help others in the future um, who can hopefully find a cure for this terrible brain tumor. But she broke the news when she said she was at least trying to get hitched. I'm going to marry him. What? What? Holy crap. What? Wait, breaking news. Wait a minute. What are you? What? I'm marrying his ass. Don't Just... tell him. I'm going to do it when he's asleep. Oh, <laughs> he'll yes. never agree. <laughs> After seeing me go through all of this, 
because <laughs> I've had some anger issues. That's the other thing. You do get angry about, you know, the, the stuff I've had. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a subtle, calm, shy woman. So, uh, you know, I, I, he has seen the bonfires of Wendy Rieger burning throughout this. <laughs> and uh, but no. Yeah, no, he's great. So we're we're, we're uh, going to get married. Oh, my God. Do, do we know when yeah. this is happening? As soon as we can find an, a, a county court that is open, believe me, it is impossible right now to get anyone to marry you on a Saturday. And he doesn't want to take a day off work. I don't blame him. It's just me. <laughs> and I wouldn't take a day off work to marry me either. No, I it's just... We can find a judge or a governor or somebody to show up on a Saturday. <laughs> Thank you. Make it out kind of close to Rappahannock. Yeah. But no, everyone, you've got to jump. You got to go. And because of COVID, you got to get the marriage license. And then you got to, and then you got to get on a docket and you got to go back in and turn it back in. And then they got to, then they got to do this and then they got to do that. But they're only doing it between like, you know, 1115 and 1205 <laughs> on uh, the third Wednesday of uh, during a full moon. It is that ridiculous. <laughs> it is impossible to get married in the mid-Atlantic, I am not kidding you. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> Can't do it. And we just need a, you know, you know, do you, do you, do you, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Where do I sign? Here's your 35 bucks. Is there a good diner nearby? That's how I get married. <laughs> Wait, when did you hear this? This is so crazy. You found is there, is, does anyone make good blueberry pancakes? That's all Dan and I care about. You know, <laughs> you, you found the best neurosurgeon in the world to give you surgery, but you can't find a Saturday to get married. <laughs> I can't buy, I can't find anyone that will open their doors on a Saturday to marry us. No. <laughs> so we're thinking of running up one morning before work. Um, it's just, but even around Montgomery County, you got to take your divorce papers in. I don't even know. Mine are 30 years old. I have no idea where my divorce papers are. They're it's signed, just correct? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. I forged, I forged both names. Because my husband was traveling with Clinton at the time. And I called him and said, I'm forging your name on the divorce papers. He was like, do I get rid of you? Yeah. Then please, please. Godspeed. That was also news that she forged her divorce papers. We learned that on the show, too. <laughs> she didn't give a poop. Now we should say this is before um, her and her husband. They did end up getting married, mm -hmm. and uh, this is before she retired. And they were both re sort of retired at the same time from NBC to go spend some time together uh, without having work in the way. So uh, you can tell it was summer. It was summertime when we talked to her, and man, she's just yeah. <laughs> stories for days. Yeah, he retired first in the summer of twenty one, and then she was like, he hangs out and like goes for walks and eats toast all day. This sucks. I want to retire too. And so then, um, on December twenty first, I believe she retired as well. And so they had they had a couple five months um, together of of retired bliss. Uh oh. Um, one thing that she left us with though in that same conversation was her her just zest for in the face of having open heart surgery the year before and then getting this brain tumor diagnosis and then having brain surgery and then getting her own personal vaccine clinical trial. Um, the one thing that she told us that she told a lot of people that will stick with me and it's kind of been like an inspiration 
is to get out there and to chase life. Check it out. So the other day we go out to the mountain home every weekend to heal and just to and, and to mow the lawn. I mowed the lawn the other day. You mow the lawn? And just just to just to be outside and just to be in the mountains because it's it's just different. And she said, are you going out to your mountain home? And we had just come back from Duke and we were tired of being in the car. And we said, no. And she said, why not? And we said, we're tired of being in the car. And she goes, how far? Anyway, <laughs> she said to me, she goes, I have no science. I have no data. I only have my experience. But she said, the people who survive this are the ones who say F you to their disease and go live their life and do everything as if they did not have this. What would you be doing if you did not have this? If you were perfectly well, what would you be doing? And she said, you see that sunshine out there? And she pointed to the window and she goes, I need you to go run out there and go run around and live your life because those are the people who survived this by saying F you to this and ignoring it because I believe your brain and your body will believe you if you act like you're not sick. They will believe you. And she said, just go get on with your life and leave all of your disease in the radiation room with the linear accelerator. Leave it on the floor and then go, go get your life. So I looked at Dan and Dan said, wow, I guess we just got to start chasing life. And I said, yeah. And I said, I'm going back to work. You know, she was saying, don't baby yourself. Do not be a victim. Stop acting. Don't act like you're sick. It was amazing. And that's when the chasing life thing came to me. Because she just, she, I thought she was going to throw me out the window. I was like, you know, oh, oh, can I just use the door? I'll do it. Can I just go out the door? I don't want to crawl through the window. Oh, my God. I thought this woman was going to just throw me out the window. But it was, isn't that great? And that's also advice, I think, that goes for people who are stuck in something. They may not have a, a disease, but they're stuck in life. You cannot succumb to what you think is ailing you. And we embrace that. In fact, Dan has a new thing that I'm getting t-shirts made up and it's called press play. We're like just gonna that. press play. And we decided, we got in the car, went out to the mountain home. I mowed the lawn. I said, I'm gonna mow the lawn because why not? And uh, we decided to act like this is not happening. There will never, ever, 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 ever be another no. Wendy Rieger. No, no, there won't. We posted up a uh, podcast uh, last week, uh, last weekend, just um, at the time we posted it, she was, we understood she was in hospice care, but the day that we posted it, she did pass away. But it is an incredible uh, point of view that she just shares everything about love, life, her work, her career in DC, her love of nature. Um, if you want to listen to that, it's it's uh, pretty incredible. Um, and uh, it, we're so blessed that we had uh, these moments with her. Um, it's just she was an incredible lady. I'm so 
feeling so I feel so fortunate and joyful to have had her as a to be, we, we were able to call her a real friend, which is awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I I saw over the weekend that, of course, like there's like a million signs of her, right? Like after someone passes, you see like a million ways that um, that they're there, uh, including I found out that she had passed in the middle of lunch. And I was like, of course, she would swing by <laughs> and, and have a glass of wine on the way out because that's timing. Wendy, thank you. Way to go. <laughs> Um, but it sorrow is the, um, the amount of love that you weren't able to give. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Loved. Yeah. I loved hearing that. And, uh, she'll be with us for a very long time and, and an inspiration well, to, to so many. It, and you and I both agreed. We were bantering over Twitter the next day when, uh, the Evermore, the big ship that was stuck in the Chesapeake, <laughs> literally moved out of sort of nowhere. I know there was tugboats and there was some digging involved, but nothing had worked for a month. Mm-hmm. That boat was stuck there. And Wendy had a strong love for the environment and, and specifically the Chesapeake Bay. And the fact that that moved that, that morning and it was this beautiful day too. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, hmm. Wendy's like, I got a lot to do. And you can only imagine too, like what her and Jim Vance are doing in heaven right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> It's a party. Get that boat out my bay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. She yeah. uh she she's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, she, she she was. So on to funny stuff. <laughs> uh the Mark Twain <laughs> Prize for American Humor is gonna be handed out this weekend too, which is really cool. John Stewart is gonna be in town. He's receiving it. It's America's highest honor for people who shape our culture and shape our humor. Uh so it'll be a award at the Kennedy Center, but the lineup, I mean, to have Jon Stewart here in a funny capacity is new because normally he's here like advocating on behalf of the 9-11 um, first responders and he's been doing stuff on the Hill. He will be yeah. in uh, in funny mode, but I'm sure we'll also have have uh, pieces of his work that he's been doing. But Samantha Bee and Steve Carell and Dave Chappelle and Stephen Colbert and Pete Davidson and Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Trevor Noah are all going to be uh, part of the the we know of but i think there's going to be more too for sure uh tommy you are completely frozen and breaking up a little bit um i'm just gonna take (laughs) now now you're back um i have to say i am not star struck um anymore like i don't know if it's because i'm jaded or i've just been in this town for a long time the only person i am just super excited for that's going to be in dc is pete davidson (laughs) If I meet that man in the wild or hear about his adventures in DC, like that is for me, I'm, I just, I, I'm just so excited about it. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> but I, I've liked him before Ariana Grande and Kim Kardashian did. I'm just yeah. going to say that. I'll, I'll give you that, but I still don't understand it. <laughs> I don't understand the, I mean, he's funny. He's funny, he's quirky, his love of Staten Island, his tattoos, the trouble that he gets into, his rawness about it, his mental issues, the sadness about losing his father in, at nine, during 9-11. I mean, it just, I don't, it just makes for a complex man. I don't know. Maybe it's like the Florence Nightingale syndrome, like you kind of want to fix him or help him. I don't know. I feel like women love a bad boy. Maybe that's what's going on. But he's not even like a yeah. traditional bad boy. He's not like a James Dean no. bad boy. There's a lot of things going on there. Yeah, there is. Well, I hope for your sake you get to meet Pete Davidson. It's all right. It's all good. 
I just hope he goes out in DC and does some fun stuff. But it is really cool that there's Mark Train Price has returned. It's a tradition here in DC. And to have all these celebrities come into town is exciting. Yeah, it's super cool. Also, I want to flag for you too, Kelly, over at the National Building Museum, they have the Notre Dame de Paris exhibit, which basically mm -hmm. you get to go to Paris without having to, you know, get on an airplane. I got a look at this thing. It is so cool. So they've taken the um, Notre Dame Cathedral over hundreds and hundreds of years. And they've taken like paintings from back in like the 1600s, 1800s, and they've envisioned what the entire scene in the cathedral would have looked like. And they've got these iPads that you can like through VR, like look around the entire cathedral. And it looks really good. Like that sounds like it could be kind of janky, but it's fantastic. They do such a great job and you feel like transformed into there. And then there's also a lot of work at a lot of the exhibit around the rebuild and the fire. Like it, you can look into like how the fire happened and like how they fought it and like how they're reclaiming it, it on these, on these histopads that they have. It's the first time that this has been in North America and it opened on the three year anniversary um, of the Notre Dame fire. I remember sitting at your kitchen table watching it when it happened live. Yeah. I, I think it was, <laughs> it might've been foreshadowing to what was about to happen yeah, in the world. That's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, it, that's crazy. That's a really cool exhibit. And, and that's a beautiful space to have mm -hmm. something like that right downtown. Um, especially as DC's welcoming a bunch of tourists. It's a cool, like once in a lifetime kind of thing to do in DC. Yeah, absolutely worth checking out. And it's it's included in your like purchase of a ticket to like do the building museum museum just generally. So it's it's really yeah. awesome. And it'll be here through like July. It's here for quite some time. So there's plenty of time to like make plans to go do it. Very cool. Um not gonna be here for a while. Some might say it's going to go up in a blaze this weekend is the National Cannabis Festival. That's happening in DC too. Two days, giddy up. So RFK. It's the largest cannabis gathering on the East Coast uh, in D.C., RFK Stadium. But all week long, they've had um, just different like cannabis programming around like policy of cannabis and business of cannabis and social economic factors of cannabis. And I am such a square right now because I don't partake in cannabis, but um, I'm just trying to sound like I'm cool enough to talk about it. Well, the, what I didn't realize, because I was doing some research on this, too, there there are um, a lot of been a lot of policy panels and discussions this week as it was kicked off um, earlier in the week mm -hmm. that D.C. has the most um, policy experts in cannabis. And that includes lawyers, wow. lobbyists, policy experts um, on all the different angles of the um the regulation of cannabis, the policies around it, the difference between local and state and federal laws. I mean, it's like DC is, this is actually like a little micro business um, of area of expertise where DC's number one in. And then you got the guy down the block from me who when you buy a t-shirt, you get some weed. <laughs> There's also that happening in DC as well. Right, because the, the gifting law allows you to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of people have a problem with that because there's no regulation. Right. Right. So yeah. there's a lot to be discussed about, but it was interesting. I saw an image of like Congressman Jamie Raskin, like speaking at one of these things. And just to think about like how far the cannabis just movement industry, whatever you want to call it, has come like 10 years ago to think that like a sitting member of Congress would be speaking at a cannabis festival. It would be 
bananas, right? And now like it's it's such a it's such like a, a mainstream thing. And there's actually like giant corporations, like I know like Anheuser Busch is like buying up potential, like they're buying up like companies that when cannabis is legal across the country can quickly become like cannabis producers. And so there's mm-hmm. all of those things happening. And a lot of the former tobacco fields are going to trying to figure out how to make those cannabis fields and quickly. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's wild. Also want to flag for you and thank you for everyone who sent uh, some donations and some help. The Best Buddies Friendship Walk is coming back on the National Mall. It's going to be next weekend on the 30th. It's a Saturday. It's going to be awesome. 30 days half September, April, June, and November. There's only 30 days, the last day of the month. We'd love to see you on Saturday at the National Mall, uh, bestbuddiesfriendshipwalk.org to get signed up and join our team. And I just got a sneak peek of the weather, Tommy. You, it's looking good because you never know with those April showers. I mean, this totally. weather's been crazy, but it looks beautiful day, sunny, clear, perfect. Fantastic. I, I, after uh, 12 hours, eight of which in the rain at the White House Easter egg roll, I would appreciate a MC gig that is uh, rain-free. If we could possibly do that, that'd be great. <laughs> that looked pretty miserable. Rieger, what can you do? Can you, can you speak to someone? Can you, can you put in a word over there or the weather map in the sky? There's got to be a meteorologist up there somewhere. Can you make something happen, please? Thank you. Can I just say one more thing about Rieger? Sure. You can say I, whatever you want about Rieger. I did a lot of crying last weekend, just thinking about her and thinking about you know, the last few times I was with her and um, I was just at one point I was inconsolable and um, I'm sitting on the couch and I'm upset. I'm talking to my husband and I get this crazy shooting pain in my leg, like something I've never felt before, like, like jolt, it jolted me out of the couch and I, I lay down on the floor because I like, I was just trying to get comfort. And, you know, it stopped me from crying because I was just sort of distracted by the pain. Haven't had that pain since. It went away. I stopped crying. I strongly believe that she's just like, shut the and move on. Live your life. Enjoy your evening with your son and your husband. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Was it the same couch we filmed the Christmas video on? (laughs) (laughs) No, but it was in the same location. Okay, there you so go. So maybe there is some juju still left over there. She came in through the fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I yeah. message message received, lady. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Totally. It did so then you you straightened up and it, flew straight. I did. Fly right. I did. I did. Yep. For sure. Chasing life. Enjoyed the evening. You can say things about her anytime. I that's gonna be a thing that we do around here. Yep. Yep. So okay, um, have you, Kelly, you spent a lot of time around Nats Park. Have you been over to like Sandlot Southeast uh, on the like home base side of Nats, home plate side of Nats Park? Where there I have the, not, but I've heard about it. This is really cool. Yeah, there's the solar powered, cell phone operated, water sustainably conserving public restroom of the future. <laughs> It's called Throne, and it's a DC startup company. And I got to check it out, and I want to play a little bit of uh, my story from NBC for you because, oh my gosh, it's this startup that started in DC because DC apparently recognized they have a huge public bathroom problem from like tourists. <laughs> Never thought about that, but yeah, I, I hadn't either, right? But when you like when you hear about it, you're like, oh, holy crap! 
I guess so. By the way, Holy crap. lots ha, of party ha. puns. Lots of potty puns coming your way for the next few minutes, just so we're all on the same page. Um, but the city council actually like it took this up, and in 2019 they passed like the public restroom act, which the mayor's office has to put um, at least half a dozen like public facilities throughout the city in like really um, deserving areas. They call them like bathroom deserts. And uh, I'm not really <laughs> sure how that's coming along because the whole pandemic situation. But this startup, this tech startup called Throne, originally wanted to be like a company that rideshare drivers could have a place to go to the bathroom, like app-based sort of as they're going around. Because the guy, Fletcher, I didn't get to this part of the interview, but he was telling me like that's how he started this whole thing. He would take rideshare and ask the rideshare drivers where they go to the bathroom. <laughs> I was like, that must be an awkward conversation. But it's a good survey. Totally. A lot of them would tell him because like there was no places. And like one guy, he told, said like had a tie in the glove compartment. He would put on a tie and walk into a hotel lobby and go to the bathroom in there and then like walk back out. So resourceful, but not great. But now it's also become this. They think that they can be the public restroom option and they can be like help to cities like D.C. who recognize their bathroom problem. And uh, the whole thing is just fascinating when you think about the public restroom of the future. These space-age futuristic thrones have been designed and built piece by piece at a warehouse in Brentwood, Maryland. We're building thrones in Brentwood because we, we were looking for a place that really needs bathrooms. And we did a lot of research and just realized DC, while it's trying really hard, has a big bathroom problem and just felt like this is a great place to start. Our vision is a, ba uh, you know, a, a bathroom network that covers all the what we call bathroom deserts throughout the country and world. What's a bathroom desert? A bathroom desert is a place where if you ask someone, where, do, where can I go to the bathroom? The answer is nowhere. It's solar powered, tied to the cloud, recycled water. How does this all happen? Yeah, so sunlight comes in, we collect that energy, which powers everything from ventilation, air conditioning, pumps that move water around, and the sensors just so that we know the throne is working well. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a normal plumbed bathroom system with a flushing porcelain toilet, running water sink. One of the things I think is the coolest, we designed and built this during COVID. So we're very germ conscious um, and you actually don't have to touch a thing while you're in there from the mobile app entry to the sensor based flush and water to the, the hand wave exit. And that's Jessica, the other co-founder of Throne. Such a fascinating thing. And you think like music festivals and like baseball games and all the ways this could be like operational and good. Oh my God, Tommy, the pitches that you get. That's really <laughs> <interesting>. <laughs> this one I found, I was doing another story and I was like, what's the, and like the lady shy who works on the team, who was like checking it out. Like she's like a tech person who's like checking it out. I was like, what's going on there? And she's like, let me tell you about it. And so that's how that happened. <laughs> it was the, <laughs> it was the first place Kelly in any local media in the DC region, you will see a story about throne. I'm just saying, hashtag exclusive. <laughs> oh, that's in Tommy's world. That's what they're talking about: uh, bathroom deserts and toilets. Okay. You know what? Making it happen. <laughs> it's a strange world out there. It's a strange world out there. And they did say that they don't store any like public information or anything on you. Like they have the cell phone number, but that's mostly to tell because there's like a weight sensor, so they know if someone's in there. That's so what locks, and if there's not weight trigger. And also they're able to like track how many people are using it and like the health of it and like all that stuff. So yeah, very cool. Yeah. And if a cell phone number trashes the throne, they will ban the trash, the throne trasher for life. So we love to see it. Yes.
Um, switching gears, it's nearly Mother's Day. Mother's Day is coming up, and uh, people are always doing the brunch situation. So Open Table went out and they published a, he- a top 100 best brunches for Mother's Day based on like their verified um, reviews and how many get booked and like availability for middays on weekends and like all that stuff. Which I would just like to say, I'm glad that Open Table did the verified reviews because there is some weird ish in the review section of Open Table. Just yes, re- review section of anywhere. Who's got the time? I'm just saying is all. <laughs> but people do, and they make it happen, and it's a service to the community. But six of these locations made it into uh, the top 100 list are from DC and from the area, so that's awesome. That's very cool. Very cool. Yes, uh, Le Diplomat, Old Ebbet Grill. St. Anselm in D.C., all fantastic. Um, Bistro Le Hermitage in Woodbridge. And also um, Lobarinske Chez Francois. I'm not really sure how to say that. In Great Falls. Oh, uh, La Arberge. Yes. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Try to okay. say that three yeah. times fast. Mm-hmm. Lo, oh, yeah, neither one of us speaks French. Lobarinske Chez Francois. Le Brage Chez Francois. Yeah, anyway, okay. sorry. I'm it's, so it's sorry fun. to Le Brage Francois in Great Falls. I'm sure you're wonderful. Name's hard to say. I'm also German and Polish. I apologize. But also and on BTW, the list. BTW. Hmm. Yeah, go ahead. And last on the list was La Piquette. In my neighborhood. Yep. Um, I do have a programming note, though, for Mother's Day, because this has Mm -hmm. been my issue every year uh, to plan for brunch. Uh, I love to go out with my kids. It is typically falls on either American University's or Georgetown (laughs) University's graduation weekend. That's right. And I believe this year I checked it. I think it's American University. So that part of it just gets really busy. (laughs) It just gets really busy (laughs) planning for uh, lunch and brunch uh, that day. So just, you know, plan now make your res now that's a really good point (laughs) because as of recording this on april 22nd we're like two weeks out so like you've been warned yes and open table also says the reservations are up 39 percent this year for mother's day compared to 2019 pre-pandemic levels so not even like 39 percent of like 2020 when nothing was going on of pre-pandemic it's up 39 percent already for mother's day yeah that's great so just File that away for for later on and make sure you make it happen for mom. Oh, John Rust, how do you say solar potty in French? No idea. (laughs) But I like your comment. Thanks for that. And also, uh, Steve McKay, uh, fun fun weekend thing to do too. Uh, School of Rock concert on Saturday at noon. It's at Rockland's Barbecue for their block party in Alexandria, Virginia. I don't know if you've seen School of Rock, Kelly. When I was at Mosaic District for their spring festival, they had the School of Rock uh, students up there. Oh, my gosh. Fantastic. Teenagers learning to be a rock band. Yeah, I've seen them before. It's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, so badass. In my head, I was like, well, we have kids someday. Maybe I'll put them in School of Rock Band. That seems really awesome. (laughs) Okay, moving on. What? (laughs) I'm just saying is all. I'm just saying is all. Is anyone pregnant? (laughs) No one's pregnant. (laughs) Okay. No one's pregnant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Didn't know if you had some news. We're going to have to have a conversation later about how that works, Kelly. It's like, <laughs> I thought you would have known. <laughs> a surrogate or adoption or something, Tommy. Yes, I, mean, I know exactly how it works. Jeez. Having had two kids of your own, I thought you would have been a little bit more versed in that whole situation. <laughs> but hey, 
we're friends. We can have that conversation later on if you like. <laughs> it's also time to thank a teacher. This is awesome. Our pals of Virginia Lottery are constantly out there thanking teachers. The profits from Virginia Lottery go back into K-12 education in the Commonwealth. And they've given billions, billions back to K through 12. And so we talked to Jennifer Mullen, who runs community relations at the Virginia Lottery about their thank a teacher campaign, because every year they go out and they do a big art contest. And they have a middle school an elementary school and a high school winner that get their art put on thank you cards, hard cards, and also digital cards that you can send out to teachers all around the Commonwealth. And this is also cool because anyone who sends a card to a teacher has an opportunity to win a vacation in Virginia for that teacher and then also to win for that teacher's school a bunch of supplies. So Jen uh, joined us with all the details and the awesome student art. And talking about thanking a teacher, we're seeing some beautiful images of thank you cards. You can go to thankateacherva.com and send your favorite Virginia public school teacher one of these awesome cards. First of all, Jennifer, where did the art come from? So in January of each year, we run what we call the Thank a Teacher Art Contest. And our goal is to collect submissions from public school students who uh, love to draw or color. They don't even necessarily have to be in an art class. They just love art. They send us their uh, artwork that sort of depicts how they want to express their appreciation to their favorite teachers. And we ultimately select three designs, one from elementary school, middle school, and high school. And those are the designs that go on the thank you notes that then we encourage Virginians to send to their teachers leading up to teacher appreciation week in May. And if you're listening on the podcast side of things, can you explain the three different artworks to us? Describe them for our audio audience. There's some of them behind me right here in my office, but and you can see one of them right there, I think, with like the teacher and the globe. And, and totally. that, that was the elementary school winner. And that was the elementary school winner. Yes. That art is so amazing. This young girl was just unbelievable. And just talking about how she you know, really is connecting what's happening in the world with what's happening right there in her classroom with her teacher and all of the things that her um, teacher is is bringing to the table in the classroom every day. And so that was a great story. Our high school winner, um, her father was a teacher. And so she has a piece of artwork that depicts her father grading papers late at night and she's kind of, you know, putting a blanket over his shoulders to just thank him for all the hard work um, that he puts into his students every single day. And then our middle school winner, that artwork is also awesome and it kind of shows the progression of a student um, from elementary school on up through high school and graduation and how a teacher is there with that student every step of the way. So. You know, that's what's so amazing about the art contest is it's not it's not just pretty pictures. They are beautiful pictures, but these artists really are telling a story and talking about the impact that the educators have on them every single day. And you can see uh, the images and the artwork for yourself at thankateacherva.com if you want to check them out. I cannot believe that as an elementary school artist who made that beautiful world, all the kids sitting around it, the teachers front and center, and then all the different stories and subject matters sort of surround the globe. Wow, that's amazing. 
Yes, uh, we're, we're amazed. And, and let me tell you, I mean, we select three pieces to go on these note cards, but it's so difficult. We get hundreds and hundreds of entries. It's very difficult to narrow it down, but um, we, we ultimately do. And then, you know, we're really excited to encourage Virginians to thank as many of their teachers as they possibly can between now and the end of Teacher Appreciation Week. Um, you know, at the lottery, all of our proceeds support public education K through 12. So the, these are ways for us to connect directly with Virginians and remind them that we have this really important mission to put dollars into the classrooms. And so we're really proud of that here at the Virginia Lottery. And that's very necessary. Every time you buy a, a ticket for the lottery or you buy a scratch off, it goes back to help out the profits to pages while education. That's right. Also this year, when you send a thank you note, a hard copy or a digital one, you get to send a chance for a teacher to win an awesome, awesome prize. This is really cool. It is really cool. So each of the uh, notes, whether it's hard copy or digital, it has a it has a web code on it. And and what the teachers do is they take that web code, they go to thankateacherva.com, and they enter that web code. And we this year, thanks to some uh, longstanding partners that we have with our friends at the supply room, and some new partners with uh, IGT and NPI, who are our gaming partners here at the Virginia Lottery. They're the oh, ones cool. who help us bring the games to Virginians, whether it's through their online play or at a retail location, they're joining in on this fun as well. And so ultimately we are going to randomly select four teachers this year. So that's double what we did last year. Nice. Uh, and each of those four teachers is going to win a Virginia vacation, a gift card, and then supplies for their school. So we are super excited that Thank a Teacher is back and it's bigger and better than ever this year. I love that. And if you think about like parents, right? They're like, my goodness, sometimes I love my kids, but I could use a vacation from my kids. Imagine your kids' teachers and how much they could use a vacation from them sometimes. So this is a great way to do that for them. Amen. Amen. And we've, you know, we've given away many vacations over the last, this is our seventh year of the Thank a Teacher campaign. So we've given away so cool. a lot of vacations. Yeah. And, and the teachers just absolutely, um, Love it and just appreciate uh, the recognition that just as you said, that that they do, they need a vacation. They need some downtime, just like we all do. Thank a teacher VA.com to get involved. Now you got to do this before May 6th to get those notes to make sure they get into the hands of teachers because you know, school year is ticking down. We got to get this going and we got to get the thank yous out there. And even if they don't win one of those four awesome vacations or the school supplies for the schools, I'm sure just getting that card and getting that thank you and that like tangible recognition would be just so important and it would make it makes so many teachers days all around Virginia. You're absolutely right. We certainly hear that uh, every year uh, and we go into schools for all different reasons all throughout the year. But we certainly hear, uh, you know, how how valuable and meaningful just the few words of recognition and, and for them as, as educators to, to know that they really are making an impact on, on the on the young lives uh, of, of their students. It's it's amazing. Truly. And Virginia is a very special place for education. I was um, I was hosting the Dulles Chamber of Commerce. They had their business awards and um, Superintendent Braybrand, Dr. Braybrand from Fairfax was the uh, the keynote speaker. And he was talking about all the programs they have to encourage people who are going to college and graduating from Fairfax County high schools to then come back and be Fairfax County teachers. And there's just that's just one example of like the innovative ways and the support for teachers that go on all across the Commonwealth. So it's a it's a great thing to be doing and a great thing to be thanking teachers for what they do. 
Yeah, we're, we're definitely very proud of our mission here. Since 1999, we've contributed $11 billion to our public schools across the Commonwealth. So last year alone, that was $765 million. Those are dollars direct into the classrooms for everything from school breakfasts to career and technical education. So we're really proud of our mission here at the Virginia Lottery. That's fantastic. And the Virginia Lottery has also been responsible for tens of thousands of Georgetown cupcakes in the hands of teachers too. So we can't, you know, you you also do that as well. Jennifer Mullen from the Virginia Lottery, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much, Tommy, appreciate it. That's quite an important stat as well. Thousands and thousands of Georgetown cupcakes delivered throughout the land to all the Virginia teachers. Although we do have some breaking news from Vienna Patch, which is where I get all of my patching information. The uh, Niche.com released the best schools um, in the country. And of the top 50, one of them was in our area. I was saying that really slowly. Sorry about that. Um, Thomas Jefferson High School placed fifth in the country. And uh, Maggie Walker Governor School in Richmond placed fourth. Very cool. That's in Richmond. Yeah, way to go. They have a whole list of like top in Virginia as well, too. Um, so the Thomas Jefferson was second. McLean High School, Langley, Chantilly, T.W. Woodson, uh, Oakton, Riverside, James Madison, and Briar Woods. Uh, those round out the top 10. Way to go. Yay. Yay, Virginia. Yeah. In my head, I was like, we've gone to a lot of those with the teacher tour. So yes, you love to see it. <laughs> and also, um, I got a comment about my, about my figure skating comment earlier. It was Scott Hamilton and Todd Eldridge. I made those two one person when I called him Todd Hamilton when I talked about how um, Gretzky had it easier than Ovechkin. Potentially an open conversation I'd like to have with somebody who knows more about this than I do. Okay. Yeah, I didn't sound right, but I didn't know enough to correct you. So yeah, I was also I'm, like, I'm, eh, I wasn't sure. I'm, I'm, I was, I, yeah, no idea. I know that it was not Tad Hamilton, which was a guy you could win a date with in a movie back in the day as well. Okay. Okay. You know what, Tommy? I've had about enough of you when we were recording <laughs> 50 minutes of this. <laughs> so we're done. All right. I'm that's just going to say we're done. Thank you. Like, subscribe. We'll see you next time. <laughs>